0: Welcome back to Anchored in the Voted with your two crazies, Pastor Joseph and Pastor Jeremy. And we are so thankful that you're here again with us. Um, he's smiling and laughing. I know you we are. That. We're so <laughs> glad you're here. His, his amazing face. Uh, we are having a blessed day and I pray and hope that you are every time you play this episode and definitely every time you share it. Um, today is a continuation of a truncated episode on leadership, but now we're talking about serving and being a servant leader and the whole idea of um, servanthood uh, as uh, something that we are called to do Um, random fact jeremy over 309 times or it is 309 times um, serving is mentioned in the bible um, which is to me pretty impressive considering um, that's almost enough uh, opportunities to read about serving to cover the entire year um, I mean if you did, I assume
1: those are all talking about why people should be serving me.
0: <laughs> I I truly doubt that. I, I I truly doubt that. And that joke is based off of the last episode. Please go listen to it and then you can come and stone him. Uh, That's <laughs> and um when we think about serving though, um, you know, I know last time we talked about Jesus and um his willingness to, mm-hmm. um, as a leader, humble himself yep. and serve others. Yep. Um, the serving of others is a part of leadership. And my hope is is that we are able to today wrestle with um, how best to do that, how best to use your gifts and skills in serving others and understand that um, serving is not uh, something you do out of, Um, this is where it becomes fun serving you do because it's who you are not because you've been told to do it um like it's in our culture um we love to be served Uh, and you joked about that at the beginning um but when it comes to serving god he's not looking for it out of a heart that is not in love with him or a heart that is wanting to actually serve him. Okay. And so when I hear people serving that are serving out of hearts that are um, focused on the legalism or the religion side or the religiosity versus the relationship, it, it hurts me. It makes me sad. And I know that that's not what we're called to do. How do we, um, or what should we look for to evaluate our heart when it comes to serving? Oh,
1: I, I guess the, I would sum it up this way. Um, we should judge the servanthood of our heart based on the service of our hands and the service of our lips. Um, I'm thinking specifically about uh, Psalm 52. Mm -hmm. Um, Psalm 52 is a 51. Anyway, David gets, uh, David is writing about his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. And he says to the Lord, uh, you haven't, you don't desire a sacrifice of bulls and goats. Otherwise I would give them. But what you desire is a sacrifice of a clean conscience and Mm -hmm. pure hands. And what he was saying was there's a religious giving, a religious offering, a ritual offering that I can offer that you, God, have said, I should be offering, but that's not really what you're after. Mm. What you're really after is my heart. And I can look at my hands and I can ask myself, are my hands giving something um, that is in keeping with where my heart is, or is it trying to replace where my heart is not? Is it, is it trying to make up for the fact that my heart is not actually in this? I, you know, I see this when I put my kids to bed at night. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of times I put my kids to bed And I love my kids. And um, I want them to know that I love them. And there are plenty of times I put them to bed and I myself am tired or weary or angry or whatever. And I know the difference in me when I say to them, good night, I love you. Give them a hug or a kiss or don't give them a hug or a kiss. Because there is a reality that's taking place in my heart even if the words I use and the tone of voice I use are the same. There's something that is different when I'm trying to put the kids to bed so that I can go get my rest versus when I'm putting the kids to bed because I love them and bedtime is what is good for them. And I'm doing this out of my love for them to build them up and to strengthen that relationship. The other thing I think about is uh, Jesus talking about the lip service and eye service. Um, And he, he talked about this specifically when speaking about servants to their masters, but he was making an analogy to the people of God to God, and specifically to the religious leaders toward and, and their their relationship towards God, because it's very easy for the servant of a master to act. I'll use the big word obsequious here to be <laughs> obedient to demonstrate. Um, Subjugation to demonstrate that they are subservient to the rule of the master and to do that in the way that they speak and in their eyes. But Jesus says, you can pay lip service to this person and make it look like you have a heart that is seeking to serve them when in fact what you have is a heart that is rebelling against their rule over you. And you can do the same things with your eyes. You can look with your eyes as if you are serving well, in fact, what you're doing is you're trying to hide a haughty attitude. Mm. Um, We have to, we have to evaluate, it's not enough to evaluate what I'm doing. I have to evaluate why I'm doing it and also how I'm doing it. Is what I'm doing flowing out of my love for God and my, and this is, this is really the key idea here behind servanthood and leadership together is Am I esteeming others as being greater than myself? Mm. Am I putting you before me? Am I taking myself and my own position and lowering my position so that positionally, in terms of not value, Mm -hmm. but in terms of priority, you get first priority over me?
0: I know First Corinthians 16, 14 says, Let all you do be done in love. And that's what I thought about when you were sharing, as well as 1 um, John 3 18. Uh, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, uh, mm-hmm. but in deed and in truth. Yeah. The deed is the action part. So it's not just good enough to talk about it, <clears throat> which most people are good with doing. Um, but there must be the action. And even more so, there has to be the truth of the heart behind it. Yes. Um, You know, so much of what we do in the world around us is based off of what can be seen. Um, You know, whether we sin or not (laughs) is based off, you know, who's around. Right. Sure. Being in my car, going down the road, and my kid looks at me and goes, "Daddy," and I go, "Yes," (laughs) and he (laughs) gently reminds me of what the speed limit is. You know. And I adjust. <laughs> That's your um, own fault for teaching him how to read the speedometer. Uh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could blame him, but I was the one who was breaking the law, uh, <laughs> not him. <laughs> um, but it, it is one of those things where uh, the heart is of great importance, and. Um, believers, if if we don't evaluate our own hearts, God is going to do it. So don't mm-hmm. don't think that yeah. you can ignore this. Um, he wants desperately for you to relate to Him, and that means being transparent, yes, open. You know, when you're when you're frustrated, venting, sharing. When you're upset, letting Him know. When you're happy, celebrating with Him. When you're um, struggling to come up with a plan, give the plan to him and walk it out with him. Um, put it before him and ask him to to bless it and to, to move within it and know that um, he can change it. And so therefore I should be at peace and rest as things move and don't go the way I want. Um, and that's one of the things that I'd like to talk about next when it comes to servanthood is that it leads to a more peaceful life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are recognizing truly that you're not in control. Um, And so for a servant, that is a norm. (laughs) You're not in control. When I look, think about Joseph in the Bible, and he's in Potiphar's house, he's got a nice gig there. Um, Mm -hmm. He gets to manage, and on the flip side, and this is viewed of um, old, you know, biblical slavery, not Western slavery, but biblical slavery, the, the owner or the master had to actually take care of the, the servant to such a degree that often, and you'll see this in the old Testament, they'd have the option to stay with the family if they want it. If, because it was such a life, a unique life. Um, and to know that we're called that kind of a servant where we are bonded to Christ bonded to God through blood. Um, and we don't have to worry about anything and yet. We get to manage so much. Um, hmm. And so For you as a leader, as a servant, I want to challenge you um, to really follow God's leading. That might mean you have to wait some time. Um, He doesn't move on your time. He moves on his own. And it might mean that things get messier than you like. But this goes to the, you know, being a servant. Um, And it might take courage to do that. Because if you're in a position of leadership, and everyone wants you to make a decision quickly and you're waiting for God, um, <laughs> you got to tell people to settle down um, and, and let them know, you know, what's going on, that this is that moment where you're doing the good thing. Yeah, um, I definitely don't. When it comes to being a um, a servant leader, Jer, especially at your church, um, what do you look for as a, um, as a sign oh it's easy that's easy
1: okay i mean that's very easy i look for people who are already doing the work that the people under them are supposed to be doing and aren't looking for anyone to notice it but are doing it because that's where their heart is Mm. for we haven't said this specifically but for me servanthood and sacrifice are almost synonymous Mm -hmm. um the the best picture of this really is Jesus. We see this um in the gospel of Luke. Luke? No. Christ the ox. That's uh <laughs> I forget which gospel that is. Anyway, I believe it's Luke. Maybe that's the eagle. I don't recall right now. No, the eagle's John. Yeah, it's Luke. Okay, so in in the gospel of Luke, Jesus comes and what he's demonstrating, what Luke is demonstrating through that gospel is Jesus came as a servant. Mm -hmm. And the way he demonstrated that was through constantly sacrificing. He was using, I'll define sacrificing this way, using your life, giving up your life your power, your strength, for the work of other people. And ultimately, that's going to be for the work of God. Mm. But subsidiarily, for any of the people that God has called, created, and made, you're sacrificing for them. This is what Jesus did. He stepped out of heaven, sacrificing his position. He stepped out of the power associated with being God, sacrificing that power. He took on the form of a child, sacrificing the authority. He made all these sacrifices, ultimately leading to the cross, where he literally lays down his life, sacrificing, giving up his vitality for us, for our sake, and of love and obedience to the Father. And he gets up about three days later and says, now, your turn. Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, well, great. So when (laughs) do I get to rise? And he says, after you die. Jesus, I don't think you heard me. I want the glory of the resurrection. How do I get there? Minus the, can we, can we skip past? I mean, you, when you say I need to die, you mean that like metaphorically, like I need, like on Lent, I need to stop eating Swedish fish for like a week, right? That's what you mean. And then (laughs) I can come back from that three days later and be like, boom, raised with Jesus. And, uh, you know, Being silly, but I'm also not. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, No, no, I called you. The servant is not greater than the master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they killed me, they're going to kill you. Get used to it. Wrap your head around it. You're going to be hated. You're going to be killed for my sake.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm calling you to that, to give yourself willingly to that for the work that I have called you to in the Father. Because here's the thing, that sacrificial ox, the ox that's being represented there in Luke, as it's plowing the field. Okay, people look at the ox and they might look at one ox versus another and say, "Man, that that one ox, that Dave ox, that's a hoss ox. That ox can really haul." And it might look at the Jerox and say that Jerox is also a bit of a hoss, not as much as the Dave ox. We'll call that the Goliath ox against the Bull ox, but. There might be a smaller ox somewhere, and we can compare the relative size and strength of these oxen. However, what no one looks at is the field and says, man, that ox is amazing. Did you see how it plowed the field? Mm -hmm. No one ever takes their, their harvest to market and says, step up, step up. I got great grain because I've got such a great ox. The ox is completely superfluous to all this, except in the work that has to be done. And so the farmer takes that ox. Makes that ox work. The ox uses its energy and its strength and gives its life to to plow and to harvest, and that's all it does. For the purpose of other people getting grain that it gets to eat on the side, hmm. that is the example that Christ laid for us. That is what we've been called to, and this is and I want to go here with you and get your take on this, but that's why I think that. When we talk about servanthood, especially in the New Testament, as far as I'm aware in the Greek, there's only one word that is translated servant. It's the word doulos. And that word is translated basically one of three ways, servant, bondservant, or slave. Mm-hmm. And there is, as you pointed out, a distinction, and I think an aversion to using slavery language. hmm when we talk about Christianity because of the Western context of the last 400 years here in America. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, but I think that there may also be a a denigration of what we have actually been called to Mm -hmm. because of what Christ exemplified that can only be described as slavery. As odious as that idea should be because of our history. But I wanted to, I want to hear your thoughts on that. It's,
0: you know, it's, it's, it is culturally unacceptable to think of oneself as a servant, let alone a slave. Mm. Um, the fact of, you know, being purchased um, as a servant is one of those things where we give it lip service, but we often don't wrestle with the idea of being purchased that there is a price that has been paid that i i have a value and it wasn't worth much and christ did more than enough to cover my sins because he did it for the world um as well as my future stuff <laughs> um yeah. it's it's a payment that came at great cost it's a payment that i couldn't afford because of my state um of being broken and lost and um, you know, not a fan of God in that season. And when we choose to be purchased, and we'll have to get into this more free will versus, you know, God being in control, um, when that occurs, there is such an exchange of trash for treasure, it's not even funny. <laughs> and... um I have to believe and hope and expect, yes, in the resurrection. But as you stated, the servanthood part is what I am called to, just as I'm called to share my faith, just as I'm called to share the gospel just as I'm called to live out love and obey and to read his word. Cause how can I obey without reading his word to go to church? How can I love without loving my neighbor or my brother? Yeah. Like all these things come out of an understanding that I am a servant. This is who I am just as I am a child of God. Right. I, I can't get away from one or ditch one because I don't like the idea of slavery. I am chained to God. <laughs> and I mean, he says this, you know, um, and you mentioned this earlier with the oxen we are yoked together. Come unto me, all you that are heavy burden, and, you know, work with me. You know, bring me your stuff. Come experience new life yeah. and plow with me. That's not freedom. Like, no, it's not. It is, it is, that is bondage. It's bondage. It is one of those things where I'm going where the bigger ox goes and he is clearly the bigger <laughs> ox, right? I'm working with God. So when he calls someone to him, I get to walk with him and see the miracle take place, in new life. So I can, like often people ask me why I work in a church that I work at and I tell them because God's moving there and they go, how do you know? And I was like, honestly, people are coming to know him like that. That is one of the biggest reasons that, That blows my mind how God can use a space and place to call people to him because that's just who he is. In this moment, right then and there, he wants to do it on this Sunday, and people are coming to know Christ. When I see that, who am I when I know that this is eternal fruit of eternal value impacting generations as a servant, I have no problem following God's lead. As a servant, I have no problem asking for help and knowing that I have to wait for his response. As a servant, I also know that he has my back and he's caring for me in ways that I don't have to worry about. Yeah. And that that is different than me trying to lead my way out of it or trying to tell God what I need him to do or giving him my laundry list and calling it prayer when in reality... I need to take my desires before him, yes, but don't think that he has to answer your desires in your way because if your heart's off, and scripture makes this abundantly clear, then your request is off. If your request is proper and just and in line with his will, then he's happy to honor it. You still need to make the request, yes, but this is how it works in being a servant. He's the master. He's the one who examines the heart and says, you know what, Dave, that's a good request. I like that one. We can honor that, or no, I have something else going on, and that's not a good request. You know, I I see what you want, but the reality is, is this is better. I have something better. I will walk with you. We're gonna journey, and then you're gonna see. You actually should ask for that better thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't even know what you don't know, but no, I've got you. So just keep journeying with me, and you'll experience the best life as you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as you embrace his word, as you live out love and draw closer to God. Um, It's being a living sacrifice is not a party. Um, And this gets back to coming to Christ. Most people are sold on the, you know, as you stated, the resurrection card, as opposed to the, you get to be a living sacrifice, dying daily. Uh, opportunity <laughs> that we get to share um maybe maybe but, this is controversial mm-hmm. but as
1: you say that one of the things that I, that I think is missing in our conversation wider conversation here is the idea of bondage mm-hmm. necessarily carries with it an almost absolutely moral negative connotation
0: it does because you're assumed to be, um, um, and this well, is funny. I want to challenge that. Well, we should. You're assumed to be slower together when in reality you are made stronger together. Um, mm. You know, like it's there. It's our culture encourages a, um, a very self reliant focus. Yeah, for sure. Um, it encourages this pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality, which is just a straight lie. Like it's a, like if you go back and look at church history, look at American history, no one did that. Uh, no one did that. Like no one pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and did it themselves. They all had help. Um, and even if they didn't think they had help, God created the world, they had help. Um, right. <laughs> they didn't make anything out of nothing. And, you know, they made it out of something. So it is better to be together. I know, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast with you was for t- the together part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know,
1: I appreciate that, man.
0: Well, it'd, you know, it'd be easier for both of us to do it separately. Like we could each, <laughs> you know, whenever Maybe you're it's friendly, fun though. No, as well as we wouldn't sharpen one another, yeah. and that I think is part of the bonding process. The expectation that God has within relationship that it's not a weakness, but it is a strength to, you know, address those areas that are only going to be challenged as we um, engage with one another, right? Mm. Enemy's not going to help you get stronger in your areas of weakness. Enemy's just going to slay you there. That's all. You know, you're going to stay addicted to porn or you're going to stay hooked on food or you're going to stay... Addicted. I'm just saying, you know what I mean. This isn't,
1: right I know, yeah. No, no, I was, I was chuckling because I, I, in my mind, I heard hooked on phonics.
0: Oh, no, hooked on food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is, um, it is within family as you move deeper into the levels of communicating that you're able to push for that better of the other, your brother, your sister in Christ, that is a co servant. Mm-hmm. um there's no reason to fight over position um everything's been done like there there is no um, lack of work so i don't need to jockey <laughs> for like really like you, there's tons of work to be done if you look around when it comes to the eternal stuff of loving other people yeah um yeah there's no, you know, there's a dread. I mean, there's, we talk about the drought in the Midwest. We have a drought for love and we sing about it. We got the words, um, but the actual doing and the heart behind it, the truth is lacking. Um, yeah.
1: One of the things that you're saying is uh, that on a dog sled team, um, all the team except for one has a really terrible view
0: pretty much think
1: about that listener <laughs> think about that there's only one alpha dog so
0: um well let's t- let's talk a little bit I'm, about that yeah go ahead so um i mean i can take this
1: in three different directions i right know you go ahead
0: well part of dealing with the mess of the world yeah. Um, talking about who we're following as far as if you're chasing behind others instead of walking with God. Colossians chapter 3 makes it clear that when we... You're stealing from me, man. Oh! (laughs) Okay, okay, it's my turn this time. Do it, do it. I'll mess you up. You can do 317 and I'll do 324, but 324 is pretty clear that our inheritance. I was
1: inheritance... start with 22.
0: Oh, okay, so you can, you can be in between then. So yeah, 24 go. is very clear on where your inheritance mm-hmm. lies and who your Lord yeah, is. That's exactly And that correct. we are called to serve Christ.
1: That's exactly um, yeah.
0: And so if our inheritance is with him and he has, the, he has given us great love, then why am I being distracted by the silliness around me, um, or the you know? I need to stay focused on serving my Lord. That word "Lord" means He's your master. There is no sanitized way of saying that. Lord, when you cry it out, <laughs> mm-hmm. means the one who is in complete charge, not just yeah. partial or. Over certain things, no, he is the ruler of your life. Every
1: dictator would be the right word. Correct, he is. Hopefully benevolent, but dictator.
0: (laughs) Correct, like complete rule. Therefore, know that his heart, full of love, is one that you can embrace and engage daily. And he has your inheritance, so you need to focus on that. Yes, eternal stuff, not the today stuff when you're serving, and that's what Jesus did, as Jared shared last time, about the washing of the feet. He knew his disciples, and he mm-hmm. knew they'd be wandering, and he also knew that there was some temporal work as far as the washing of the feet, but then also eternal work that they needed to understand as far as your heart's clean, but there's some other stuff we need to get rid of. Right. like Right. You need to remove some things. There's some things you need to address. I'm addressing them from my side, but if you go back out and wander around in the world and pick up some more dust, you got to come back and do it again. <laughs> right? We, we need to make sure that we are staying set apart, holy, um, for the God who is amazing.
1: Mm. Yeah, Go for it. I said dictator a moment ago. I want to change it. It's not dictator. It's monarch, literally meaning one ruler.
0: Okay. I like and, and the, problem,
1: the problem is that... Uh, we also want there to be a monarch. We just want that monarch to be me. Yep. And, and you want that monarch to be you. And we are constantly at war with each other because we want to be the monarch. And we're at war with God because we want to be the monarch. And either we can embrace his monarchy and trust his love, or we out of fear are going to constantly assault his kingdom trying to tear him down so that we may be the monarch. Now, I said a few minutes ago that there are at least three different terms, that English words that are translated from the one Greek word, and they can be slave servant or bond servant. And uh, I, I want to point this out because in the context in which Paul was writing, there were various types of bondage. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to say, I don't take bondage as a negative thing. In fact, mm-hmm. I think bondage is a good thing.
0: Mm-hmm. When we People look do it all the at credit cards, well, what's
1: well, 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 not just that? <laughs> I mean, let's take it even something better than that. The way we get heat and light from the sun, it's the molecules become bonded to each other in the process that takes place in the sun. As atoms are colliding together, they become bonded. Energy is expressed expelled, we get heat and light. When we take a rope, we can see this in Ecclesiastes. A rope of three strands is not easily broken. Why not? Because it's not three three strands standing in parallel, but they are woven together in bondage to each other. A husband and wife get joined together in the bonds of marriage to create one new person who can better declare and and express the glory and the mystery of Jesus and the church. Bondage is a good thing when it is done the right way. Now, with that said, in the context in which Paul was writing, and in the ancient world, there were different levels of bondage. There was a bondage that my son might have to you when he goes to you to apprentice to learn your skill. In that sense, he is your servant. He is your slave and you will treat him in a particular way. That is very different, perhaps, than if I'm a different tribe, your tribe comes and conquers me and you take my child and myself as slaves uh, booty of conquest. It is also different if I have reneged on a a business deal, I'm now in debt and I'm sold into slavery Mm. to pay off this debt. There are different types of different levels Mm -hmm. of bondage. But Paul responds to them all the same way, and this is what he says in Colossians 3.22. He, he says to the bondservants, he says, Slaves, obey your masters not in lip service, but in everything you do. Serve your masters the way that you would serve Christ, because it is in fact Christ whom you serve, and we know that we will receive our inheritance and our reward from him. The reason I'm saying this is that going back to the example of the dog sled team, there is only one lead dog and all the other dogs are tied in and they're pulling. And it's very easy for the beta dog and the gamma dog to start bickering over who's going to be pulling and who's more important. I, it, it's not necessarily difficult for me to love the fact that I'm in bondage to Christ. It gets harder when I'm in bondage to Christ's servants. And we start bickering over who's stronger or who's better or who should or who shouldn't and all the other things. And I see this the most clearly with my kids. I'll give one of my kids an instruction. That kid will disobey my instruction and turn to one of his or her siblings and start giving that child not just an instruction, but chastising them for not doing something that I never told them to do. (laughs) as if he or she is in fact in charge of my children. And they start bickering back and forth. And I look at this and I say, dude, why are you complaining to me about what's happening here? He's not your boss. She's not your boss. I am. Did I tell you to do that? Then let it go. You're free to obey me because you're my son or you're my daughter. You're free to follow me because you know I love you. And yes, when your sibling starts trying to exercise authority over you that is not theirs to do, it's going to chafe. It's going to make you angry. And you can either choose to engage with that and see who's going to come out on top, or you can remember one thing it is the Lord Christ you serve. Mm. And and really, what's in my mind here as I'm thinking is practically as believers, How do we walk sacrificially with other fallen believers who are, you know, who are screwing up? Who maybe through no fault of their own, maybe through malicious conceit and selfishness and pride and envy and arrogance, they're making all of us trip up and we're suffering as a result of what they're doing. How do we, at that point, Walk in servanthood and in sacrifice when it'd be much easier to cut that tether and let them jettison or go find a new pack to run with. Mm -hmm. I think the answer has to be in whatever place you find yourself, know that God has put you there and it's to Him that you're responsible, not to the people. That you answer to in whatever circumstance you find yourself, but to God himself, and he will reward.
0: Amen.